All right, welcome back to From Eight Arbitration. This is me. <laughs> I've got a terrible cold, so <laughs> I sound a little bit different, but it's me, I promise you. Um, I'm going to get into some salted peanuts type stuff this week. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's been on my mind this past week, especially after my last episode. Uh, I'm going to get into this 1838C. Management is weaponizing this 1838C, so we're going to talk about that in depth, about what we're going to do and how we're going to handle them. Uh, with that okay i'm going to read an article that somebody wrote uh, about mr gates and the postal service it's a fantastic article and so i'm going to read that and uh talk about a few other things i've got so much stuff uh, to talk about that i could talk about it till boston uh, all the things that people have sent that they want to discuss uh, but I, I can't do four hour episodes so i'm going to try to cut them to at least an hour and um that way you won't get bored with it. Um, first off, I want to talk about last week's episode uh, sparked a lot of conversation, and that's a great thing. Uh, it is. I think that transparency promotes conversation, and uh, that's the reason I wish my union was more transparent with us about things that they're doing. Um, always remember that the NELC is here for us, right? We're not here for the NELC. The NALC exists because of us. If it wasn't for us, there would be no NALC. There would be no National Association of Letter Cares. Those people would be out of jobs. They have to have us because they work for us, right? And so anything that they do should be for us. Everything that they do should be for us. Uh, that is no longer the case as far as what I see and what I hear. It is no longer democracy. It's a dictatorship. And I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, things that I said last week in my episode when I talk about the pound of flesh, um, that's just me coming out. Uh, I, I, I love every city letter care in the country. And anytime I'm traveling and I see one, you know, uh, it makes me happy. <laughs> you know, just seeing a brother or sister doing their job, you know, because I'm like, hey, that's some of my people right there. Um and so when I saw that last week, it, it sparked something in me. I guess you can tell. Uh, I will never apologize for anything that I say on here. How I say it, uh, how I come across to people, I will never apologize for that because I am me. <laughs> that is who I am. And that's how I've always been. And so uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. If you look at Article 1, I read this before when I talked about the agent. But in Article 1, it states this, the NALC is the exclusive bargaining agent representing city letter carriers, city delivery carriers. Uh, that They're the bargaining agent representing us. They are here for us. They represent us, right? Although the NALC membership is not limited to members of the city letter carrier craft, NALC is the exclusive representative of all city letter carriers. So there's that word again. The only organization entitled to represent letter carriers in their collective bargaining relationship with the U.S. Postal Service. Despite the doctrine of exclusive representation, Article 17.2e provides that a steward may be designated to represent a craft other than the steward's own if the unions involved approve and notify the Postal Service in writing. So in that one paragraph, represent us five times. That shows the importance of what the parties have agreed to 
The NEOC will represent us. That means they are working for us. Their sole existence is based off of representing city letter carriers. And when they no longer do that, what do we do? We've had great representation in the past from past presidents. Um, uh, look, and I don't care who is the president. If they're doing their job, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back them with everything that I've got. Uh, if you're not doing your job, I don't care if you're my best friend. I'm going to call you out on it. Why? Because you're there for me. You're there to represent me. Uh, so, yeah, I have a lot of issues with shit that's going on right now. The Committee of Presidents has gone on this past weekend. And I'm going to give you a little example of what I'm talking about. In the Committee of Presidents, the very first thing that happens is somebody makes a motion to talk about the charges that are being brought against our president. And that motion gets seconded. So there should be a vote on that, right? Well, the chair people, they, they get together and they decide this is not the forum. We're not going to let you vote on that, whether that's going to be talked about or not. So what they're telling you is they're going to circle the wagons around themselves and they are going to be untouchable. You will not address them as far as the charges are concerned or as far as any of those things are concerned. We're going to make it to where we will protect ourselves. The NELC is no longer a representative of the city letter care craft. The NELC is a representative of themselves when that happens. And that goes against Article 1, not a, let alone the Constitution. That goes against Article 1 itself. When you say we will no longer represent the people, we don't want the people's voice to be heard because that's what that is when we have a motion and a second, and then that gets voted down by a committee or the chair people saying, you're not going to talk about that here. What you're saying is the voice of the cares no longer matters to us. We will circle the wagons. That is a dangerous, dangerous position for our union to be in. Uh, it has always got to be about the carrier and about the voice of the carrier, because the carrier is the reason you are there. <laughs> That's the reason you are being paid, is because of the city letter carrier. So last week, I go off because the pound of flesh, because I felt like my president should know better. He should know better than to say that. He has to know better than to say that. Uh, you should be the one wanting the pound of flesh because of what happened to Mr. Gates. And I saw nothing from you. Uh, a lot of people like our president, and that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Some people question things. That's your right to do so, right? I have concerns about dictatorships, though, what's going on here as far as I read the charge last week about removing the RAA. Whether you agree with that or not, whether you like the individual or not, whether you like the people bringing the charges forward or not, is not the question. The question is, did we follow the Constitution of our union when that happened? And if it did not, we should have grave concerns about that. When we are dictatorship, we decide that the Constitution no longer matters that we can take things into our own hands and we will decide what the carrier needs, what the in the carrier's best interest outside of the Constitution. That is a dangerous, dangerous position.
right? When the executive vice president just shoots that down, that is a dangerous position for us to be in. And so it concerns me. It does, because I believe our union should act like a union. I believe our president should be exalted, and he should be above reproach, and that's not the case. I believe that the executive council should be working for the city letter carrier, and I know that's not the case, right? I know that's not happening, because uh, a lot in the executive council are, are yes men. They're ass kissers. And so they will do what they're told to do. They will not do what's in the best interest of the city letter carrier. I respect an individual that will get up in all these rap sessions and say, hey, look, I've had an issue with things in the past. Uh, I've dealt with some things in the past. Um, Things that have come into my life, these demons I've been battling, uh, I've been trying to take care of that. I respect that. For the person who's doing that because they want us to know that and it's not because they got caught doing that. Uh, I question that when that happens. I know that things happened back in 2018 with this DUI and, and these people saying that someone almost ran over them. To me, that's at the point in your life when you say, I've hit rock bottom and I need help. Instead, they hid that from us they swept that under the rug, which is not being transparent. Look, the city letter cares can forgive a lot of things. As stewards, we can forgive a lot of things because we help people with things. We, we fight for them in those situations. I have fought in arbitration numerous times for those with that disease, that battling that demon. But you hid that from us. We have to find out years later what happened and the person that did that is still in the same position, allegedly. Here's my problem with all of this, and I'll just go on and say it and hopefully be done with it, which I doubt I will be. Here's my problem with all of it. The gentleman whose president was backdoored in by our past president, Rolando, at the national convention, word kind of got out that this was happening. Uh, we kind of knew, uh, several of us knew months in advance that this was happening. It was not let out so that tickets couldn't be put together to run against the, the current president. So in the national convention, you come in on Wednesday, and here's the banner, the new president, right? So everybody's like, oh, so Rolando's stepping down. The president now spent no time on the workroom floor, hardly any time on the workroom floor. So he does not understand us as city letter carriers. Well, the only thing he understands is at that level, at the national level, working with people in suits. Uh, that's what he understands. Now, the guy's brilliant, okay? But all he understands is what's being told to him by whoever, constituents, people on the other side that are in suits. That's been a majority of his existence, is that. He's had no time on this workroom floor. And the decisions that he makes shows that shows that he's not had any time on the working floor. Memos that he signs into existence show a lack of common sense as far as city letter cares and what happens on the workroom floor. You have to know better when you put things into existence. You have to see into the future. Uh, I liken it to, I told you I'm a Christian, uh, Noah, when he built the ark. He built the ark, why? Because something was coming. Not because something was already here. 
because something was coming. Uh, that's how we have to be as a union. We have to prepare ourselves for those things that are coming that we don't see yet. That's what Noah did. That's what we have to do when we sign things into existence. You have to look at that and see into the future what could happen to my people if I sign this. And if it's something that could be detrimental, I'm not going to sign it. Maybe I need to subtract things from that. Uh, that's, been my, that's what's chapped my ass all this time about these memos. Uh, you have got to be able to forecast the future, as crazy as that sounds. You do that by working on the floor, by being in the trenches. I can tell you things. I've told y'all all through this, these podcasts, watch what's fixing to happen. And sure enough, it's happened. It's not because I can see the future. I know these son of a bitches. I know how low down management is because I've worked on this floor. I know what they do. I know what when I see things, what's going to happen. That's where our president is lacking. He doesn't have experience on this workroom floor. And that is the greatest of all educators is the workroom floor. Uh, dealing with low-down son of a bitches, supervisors and managers. Dealing with district managers even. Uh, he has no time on the floor. Uh, he followed Lou Drass. He rode his coattails to his position uh, and then stabbed Lou Drass in the back to become what he is now. Now, Lou Drass was my mentor, who I love deeply and still do. Uh, but he stabbed Lou in the back to get his position now. Those things I set aside. I had him on my podcast, you know, told him that I was voting for him. Uh put all my support in behind him because I wanted him to succeed. And it's obvious that he's in way over his head, way over his head. He's a fine speaker, a great speaker. Uh, he's not very leaderly, but he's a good speaker, very educated, comes across very educated. He is not a leader of men. Uh, he's a great orator as far as certain things. He's got a good memory as far as contractual things, issues, because he's been at that level. But uh, I always say that he's the individual that was born on third and thinks he hit a triple. He didn't get to where he's at because of the work he's done on this floor. He got to where he's at because of other people have brought him along. And that's the issue that I will always have with anybody. Uh, you've not been on this floor. You've not been in these fights. And that's what matters most to me is the person who's been in the trenches, in the fights, that has gotten that education like that. I'll give you a prime example. James Henry uh, is a legend. Because he's done it on the floor, he's done it in arbitration. Uh, he's, I think he's got the best winning percentage in the country with several hundreds of arbitrations. Now, our president has one arbitration. Now, that's not a qualification, but... Again, it tells you that this individual doesn't know the processes. Uh, he's filed very few grievances, was a formal A, filed very few, uh, had very few formal A meetings. Uh, but again, his education, how he speaks, got him to where he's at. Now, I didn't want all this to be a bunch of bashing the president. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from when I talk about things, is that I do things out of respect for those that have done it in the trenches. Right. Our president, when when Mr. Jackson brought the charges against him, 
rather than coming forward and acknowledging that he had done wrong, he chose to be untruthful throughout the entire situation. And I know that for a fact. Um, rather than coming out and saying, hey, look, I have screwed up. I screwed up miserably. And I'm going to ask your forgiveness. Uh, I've done these things. I shouldn't have done these things. Uh, go to the people that you have offended and say, hey, look, I apologize with everything in me. Uh, I beg your forgiveness. I beg the city letter carrier's forgiveness for the things that I've done. Rather than do that, you double down on your untruthfulness. Um, so he, Mr. Jackson brings charges against him. The first thing he does is he removes duties from Mr. Jackson, kind of a retaliatory thing. He makes up stories about Mr. Henry, falsifies things against Mr. Henry, terrible things against that man who is a legend in the city letter care craft, makes up stories about Mr. Henry that could have ended his marriage. Now, this guy is a damn legend amongst us. When you see that man, he gets the utmost respect above most of more than anybody else, Mr. Henry. Rather than going to that man and saying, I apologize for the things that I've done, he was untruthful about it. And then he removes duties from Mr. Henry. So Mr. Jackson brings charges, he removes duties from him. Lies on Mr. Henry gets caught and removes duties from him. That's what I'm talking about. It's a dictatorship. I will talk about what happened in Biloxi with the young lady uh, that he said was Corey's bitch. And, and this is kind of, and I'll tell you kind of how I'm always playing chess rather than checkers, uh, is that you go to Biloxi and there's a young lady there that he tries to strong arm into joining, merging with other branches. She's a branch president. And he tries to get them to get her to merge with other branches and she refuses to do so. And so he's talking to her about it. And uh, he says, so you're not loyal to the NLC. And she says, the only one I'm loyal to down here is Corey Walton, which I'm sure chapped his ass because of this podcast. So he just says, oh, so you're Corey's bitch now. Now that is calling a female a bitch, regardless of how you think. What, what you think it means. When you say, oh, so you're Corey's bitch, what you're saying is you're a bitch to a, to a female, which is inexcusable, which is inexcusable. Here was why she said that. She was loyal to me. Her son, her son has FMLA and was getting screwed around by management, and they were trying to force him to fill out some paperwork that he did not have to fill out. And so they basically removed him from working because he refused to, to fill out this paperwork. So she goes to everybody in the NBA's office, everyone in the NBA's office, and she's saying, hey, look, I need help. They're doing this. To a T, all of them said, you have no grievance. All of them said that, you have no grievance. She goes over and over and over with them, you have no grievance. She goes to her shop steward, her formal A, you have no grievance. So she comes to me. I say, send me everything you've got. So she sends me everything. I said, absolutely, 100%, you've got a grievance. This is your grievance, and this is what you're going to ask for. So request these things. When you get these things, come back to me. We're going to file this grievance. You absolutely have a grievance. During this time, her son files an EEO. 
And I believe y'all remember I talked a little bit about this. Files an EEO. So she's going to go represent her son in the EEO hearing. So she calls me back. I said, this is what you're going to ask management in the EEO. The very same things you're going to ask them in this grievance. This is what you ask them. So they get into the EEO hearing. Sure enough, she asks them these questions. And they cannot answer the questions. And so the mediator's talking to them. There's like, you know, they're like, why did you do this? And they say, the reason that we did it, the reason that we thought we were right is because the union never filed a grievance. That's the reason we did what we did, because the union never filed a grievance. Now, remember, she went to the MBA's office and every single member of that office said you have no grievance. She comes to me and I say, absolutely, 100% you got a grievance. So in the EEO, they bring her son back to work. They pay him all the back pay he asked for. That's the reason she said the only one I'm loyal to down here is Corey Walton. It's not because of anything I've done as far as the podcast or anything like that. I know this lady. It's because I was the only one that would help her in one of the more dire times of her life or her son's life. Instead of recognizing that, he calls her a bitch. Think about that. In so doing, one of my friends, Mr. Buttry, heard it and went out there and threatened to whip his ass. People on social media faulted Mr. Buttry for that, saying it looks like he was the one who was at fault for going down there and saying he's going to whip his ass. And then some were saying, well, we don't know the whole story. Do you need to know the whole story for when a man calls a woman a bitch? Do you need to know the whole story? That's what I'm talking about when you have those that are so up NLC's ass, they fail to recognize what's going on. In the process, when he's being investigated about it, he lies about doing that. He said he never did it. And the investigator said, yeah, you did. So he lied about that. We have an issue at the top. And that's what I've been saying. It's, it's detrimental to the city letter care craft. Now, this is the same individual that we're trusting to go into contract negotiations for us. Someone who cannot tell the truth. The only people I tell you all in here can't tell the truth is management, right? I say they would rather climb a tree to tell a lie than stand on the ground in front of you and look you in the face and tell the truth. That's what we have as our president, in my opinion. Uh, he has proven that he refuses to tell the truth. And that is devastatingly detrimental to us. And so, yes, I will take concern with that. And I will voice concern with that, okay? Uh, last week, it wasn't who said it. It said what was said when you talk about the pound of flesh. Because I don't feel like this president has done near enough to get our calls out into the streets. Um, with this hip stuff, when you know when he says he refuses to say falsifying, I don't think that he's done near enough to get the public's awareness to falsification of, of this training. Do you know who watches the news? Arbitrators watch the news. That's who watches the news. Do you know who reads the news? Arbitrators read the news. And if they saw a president flat getting down on management for intentionally falsifying heat illness prevention training, the very thing that management continues to say that they've given all of us when the news media talks to them. If you had our leader talking to everybody 
whoever about management's intentional falsification of heat training and they're going to hold them accountable to that, then those same arbitrators are who we're going to be meeting with in arbitration. And they're going to say, hey, this is what they've been talking about. I need to pay, pay close attention to this. So I have been disgruntled, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I think that uh, I think that we're in in dire straits here, as far as our leadership is concerned. Uh, a lot of people reached out to me this past week about my opinion, and no, I, normally I don't give it right, but on this I will because it's too important. It's too important because I have someone going up in, in all these rap sessions saying, you know, I have issues with alcoholism, which, uh, you know, I pray for him. But it's only because you got caught is the reason you're doing that. You're untruthful to everybody in the country through your investigation process. Uh, You've continued to be untruthful. Uh, And you've made it a dictatorship rather than a democracy up there right now. Y'all have circled the wagons around yourself, which to me is in violation of Article 1, which you can't be held in violation of it. But it, it is, in a, in a way, a violation of that because you're here to represent us. Uh, you're not here to represent yourself. Some people get up there and they say, hey, I finally made it to help with everybody else. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to have my cronies protect me. And the cronyism and the dictatorship right now is very dangerous, okay? And so, uh, you know... I wanted to give my opinion about that. Most of y'all probably don't care, and that's not what this podcast is about. But I'm tired of the direction of my union because I feel like it could be doing so much better, so much better, especially as far as the representation of city letter carriers. Um, I think that we've dropped the ball with Mr. Gates. I think we've dropped the ball with the hip training. Uh, Terribly bad, terribly bad. And so that's just my opinion. Don't mean a whole lot, but that's it anyway. I want to read this article to you. And it's an article uh, that someone wrote about the Postal Service. And it's a fantastic, fantastic article. And here's how it starts out. The USPS is falsifying safety documents as its workers die of heat. I'm going to say that again. The USPS is falsifying safety documents as its workers die of heat. That's how it starts out. Now, they've done more than our national president has in six months since Mr. Gates' death. They did more in that one title than he's done this entire period of time. They've done more in that one title than he's done this one period. And that's what I'm talking about. He should be the most aggressive of the aggressive. I liken it to the Stockholm Syndrome, <laughs> if y'all know what that is. <laughs> it's Stockholm Syndrome. I remember if you, Patty Hearst, is, I think that's her name, um, that was abducted. And, and uh, it's those people that develop positive feelings towards their captors or abusers over time. <laughs> so uh, when you are in that situation enough, when you're sitting across the table and you rub elbows with people in suits long enough, maybe you're not wanting to be aggressive. Maybe you're not wanting to hurt feelings. And that's not what I want my president to do. I wanted to be a rabid dog uh, all the time. And that's how I feel. I want my president to be a rabid damn dog all the time. 
Uh, he's smart enough to where he, you know, he can maneuver around things, but I wanted to be a rabid dog. And it would have started, I think, a, a good example for us would have been how he, how he dealt with Mr. Gates. Uh, and he didn't do that. I mean, he dropped the ball on that. And then this pound of flesh thing shows how out of touch he is with us. Saying that we just wanted a pound of flesh for the death of our brother. I think it shows someone who didn't spend but just a minute time on the workroom floor. That would have never been said by somebody with any kind of time on the workroom floor. So he's kind of got Stockholm Syndrome, I believe, in that he's worked with those people so much that he doesn't want to offend anybody. And that's how it comes across to me. You know, you see more pictures shaking hands with them than you do shaking hands with your members. That, that causes concern to me. Um, but anyway, here's the article. Even after Mel's, Mel Carrier's recent death, the company continues to violate its own rules. Under the formidable sun, Dallas USPS Mail Carrier Anthony Tellerico trudged each day with his satchel 11 miles over 12 hours to deliver mail to 750 homes in the Lakewood neighborhood. On September 7th, the temperature had hit 107 degrees Fahrenheit, but even after a long shift, Tallarico, along with 20 other mail carriers who serve as union stewards of different Dallas area post offices, came to the local National Association of Letter Carriers Union Hall in the bright, bare space adorned with only a few photos and a sign that read, Ring of Honor, Lone Star Branch 132. The attendees scarfed down pizza and drank Coke and NOS energy drinks to keep alert. Another 26 people joined on Zoom as branch president Kamitra Lewis explained how to document and file grievances of which there were plenty. What we're dealing with this week is very similar to that day when Gino passed away. It was hot. It was a struggle. We're now dealing with things with this heat we've never dealt with before, Tallarico said. It's been three months since Tallarico's co-worker Eugene Gates died suddenly on a homeowner's front lawn along his delivery route on June 20th as the temperature reached 98 degrees. Doctors recorded his body temperature at 104.6 at the time he died. The observer is the first to report that the Dallas County Medical Examiner recently confirmed hypothermia and arthrosclerotic cardiovascular disease or a thickening of the artery walls to be the cause of death. After Gates' death, the Texas summer only got hotter, bringing a higher risk of heat-related illnesses. Dallas area mail carriers worked through a total of 54 days of triple-digit temperatures in the summer of 2023, as high as 110 degrees, according to the National Weather Service. Elsewhere, it's been even hotter, 74 days of over 100-degree weather in San Antonio and Austin and 45 days in Houston. Through interviews and union surveys completed in writing by individual Dallas mail carriers and obtained by the Texas Observer, we found that in the months following Gates' death, the USPS seems to have gone back to business as usual. Mail carriers report that management is still pressuring them to speed up, work overtime hours, and forego breaks. The USPS continues to violate the standards of its own heat illness prevention program, HIP. Some mail carriers say they have not yet completed training for this program, which would violate the standards of the USPS own HIP. What's more, the agency is alleged to have covered up this up by doctoring records to show that HIP training was completed. 
And what have you heard our president say about that? Huh? The local presidents down there are doing more for us nationally than our national president is. That paragraph is absolutely devastating. And I would put that in every one of my case files if I'm dealing with HIP. I'd put that in every one of my case files. That is a devastating testament as far as what they're doing. That's why I said that our branch, that our national president should be in the streets, should be down there marching in the streets on Mr. Gates' behalf and the behalf of the city letter carriers across this country, and that he continues to do so and continues to beat the drums as far as this is concerned. Not long after the headlines, management went right back to doing what they was doing, bullying people, making them forcing them not to take breaks or, or scaring them not to take breaks, right? And, and we could have corrected that. We missed an opportunity, a golden opportunity to change the working standards or the working conditions of the city letter carrier. And, uh, and we dropped the ball terribly, and our president is to blame for all that, is 100% to blame for that uh, because of the cowardice he, he displayed through this entire thing. I told you last week where he was in the rap session, he wouldn't even say falsified. Looks like they did, you know, they put training as being recorded that wasn't. This reporter's doing more damage than he would. That, that's what I'm talking about. And I, I expected more from my president. It goes on. USPS's HIP program is triggered to go into effect from April 1 to October 31, as well as any time the heat index, the temperature adjusted for humidity, tops 80 degrees. In Dallas, these days started early this year, in late February. Under the HIP, USPS management must give weekly safety talks, post signs, and send weather advisories to carrier scanners with reminders on how to protect against heat exposure with rest breaks and cold water. By April 1 each year, all post offices must also allot work time for mail carriers to complete a required heat illness prevention training online. That's another thing that we dropped the ball on, is that that should have gotten out nationwide, that the HIP training is an online course. We dropped the ball terribly as far as educating our people across the country as far as that's concerned. That's 100% a fault of our president. The HIP training is an online course. Too many B-team decisions came out neglecting to say that, and, and management got away with it. According to Tallarico, the day after Gates' death, Dallas Postmaster Daniel Reyes arrived at the Lakewood office and told Gates' co-workers that a heart attack had killed him. Gates was generally healthy and had never been hospitalized, his wife Carla said. Reyes remarks, Tallarico said, infuriated carriers who accused the USPS of killing Gates by pressing them to complete deliveries faster without breaks or regard for their health under the threat of punishment. Dear God. See, here I go again. I, I can't get through it, man. I, I can't talk about it. it. It makes me irate when I see that. How can my president not be down there, man? I don't get it. God, I can't read this, man. How can my president not be down there in their ass on the news? You, that's what I'm talking about in Article 1. That's what I just read to y'all. 
you represent us, man. How are you representing us if your lazy ass is at the local tavern, not down there in the fucking streets? I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. I did it. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read that again. According to Tallarico, the day after Gates' death, Dallas Postmaster Daniel Reyes arrived at the Lakewood office and told Gates' co-workers that a heart attack had killed him. So they're lying about that. You remember the last article, that, the first article that came out, they said, hey, we provide hip training every year. The inference is that Mr. Gates had the training, neglected the training, and, there died, and therefore died because of his neglect. That's what the inference was. Now you got some dumbass postmaster coming in and say, hey, he died of a heart attack. Lying to the co-workers and my president. Nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. He should be down there every day wearing a shirt with Mr. Gates' face on it, holding a sign with Mr. Gates' face on it, in the news talking about Mr. Gates and what they're saying here. We're having to rely on other people to do his job. Gates was generally healthy and had never been hospitalized. His wife, Carla, said, Reyes remarks, Tallarico said, infuriated carriers, good for y'all, who accused the USPS of killing Gates. I agree with that 100%. By pressing them to complete deliveries faster without breaks or regard for their health under the threat of punishment. Hmm. It wasn't until after Gates' death made national news in late June that many post officers rushed to give the safety talks or trainings that should have been completed in April or to post signs or hand out cards outlining the signs of heat illness. According to dozens of mail carriers who completed union surveys or who spoke to the observer. Good for y'all, man. According to the surveys obtained by the observer, which were distributed by NELC's Dallas branch after Gates died, Four out of 19 mail carriers at one post office responded no when asked, are you familiar with the hip? Only one stated he had received hip training. At another post office, all 14 mail carriers who responded to the survey stated they had still not received hip training as of August 11th. During the September union meeting I attended, 46 stewards raised their hands when asked if they had not completed the hip course by April 1, and yet all 46 raised their hands to indicate that their training records had been marked as complete in their online employee portal called Light Blue. According to the Dallas NALC's branch president, Kamitra Lewis, Gates had never received the training, but his records show that his training was complete on a date that Lewis verified he was not at work. Now tell me how they didn't kill that man. And where is my president? Mercy. And we're still saying it appears they put in training completed that wasn't completed. That's, that's our position at the national level. And we're still saying that it appears that the, they input training that wasn't completed. That's our position at the national level. That's our position. Unbelievable. How out of touch, how out of touch we are at national with the members. Since gay, Gates' death, mail carriers and union representatives say USPS management still persists with practices that are contributing to heat illness and other injuries. 
forcing mail carriers to work overtime and take on more routes, pressuring them to deliver mail faster and forego breaks, rejecting sick leave requests, or disciplining them for taking sick leave and walking back changes the agency made after Gates' death to start work earlier to avoid longer hours in extreme heat. And the reason they're doing that is because we're not pressuring them. You know, once the news came out, they got scared. They changed their start times. The union never gets involved nationally. Y'all had to do it locally. Nationally, we bring no attention to the country about what happened. We, we don't use any of our resources to do that. And, and here's what happens. They say, hey, look, the smoke is cleared. Get back to fucking with them. You know, we, this time is more important than Mr. Gates' death. The time is more important than other carriers' possible deaths. This money is what we need to worry about. These times is what we need to worry about. Uh, change the start times back. Keep telling them to get out, you know, no more breaks. Keep telling them all these things because time is what's important. Metrics is what's important. Stationary events is what's important. Our office times is what's important. Making sure that you're fucking with them every day. That's what's important. Make them do more work, no time off, and uh, hurry them up now. No stationary events. No breaks is needed in the heat. And our our national just has shit on us. 65% of USPS vehicles nationwide still have no air conditioning. Just a four by four inch box fan. Remember last week when I said what changes has been made in the since 1970? When asked to respond to mail carriers who say USPS failed to follow the HIP standard, USPS communications specialist Becky Hernandez said, "Each area region vice president has a designated coordinator assigned to monitoring compliance with the program." Hernandez did not directly respond to the observer's request or apply to allegations that training records were falsified. Here they go again. The observer is doing more than our national president. Every employee receives formal training on recognizing and preventing heat-related illnesses. Hernandez wrote in an email to the observer. Let me read that again. Every employee receives formal training on recognizing and preventing heat-related illnesses. Again, they're putting the onus on us. You know, the inference, again, is on us. At the union meeting, Tallarico sat across the table from me with his hands in his lap. His ruffled, sandy hair and metal-rimmed glasses framed a sun-worn face. His light blue postal uniform had faded and frayed into tiny holes in the side pocket. The 25-year veteran mail carrier tells me that his body at 55 is starting to break. His eyes began to well with tears when he told me how grateful he was for residents who are now leaving bottles of cold water on the front porch for him. We're at a breaking point, he said. On June 20th, Eugene Gates didn't kiss Carla goodbye. He didn't want to wake her up too early since it was her first day back to work after her mom had passed. But like clockwork, habit ingrained by eight years in the military and a life of labor woke gates at 3 30 a.m she ate breakfast packed 10 bottles of cold water in a cooler full of ice and arrived at the lakewood post office an hour before eugene's shift gates has always texted his wife when he got there morning sweetheart love you have a wonderful day a little later carla replied good morning baby love you Gates warned her it would be hot that day and reminded her to stay safe if she went outdoors. After the Juneteenth holiday, mail had piled up. 
carriers at the Lakewood Post Office had four times the amount of mail than usual to deliver, Tallarico said. By lunchtime, the heat index had already raised, risen to 105 degrees. Tallarico's skin had broken into a heat rash. Another co-worker was vomiting. According to Tallarico, others called him to complain about working nonstop in the heat while management had been pushing them to speed up. That month, three carriers had already been disciplined for stationary events, what USPS management deems a idling for more than five minutes, Tallarico said. A month earlier, Tallarico said that Gates had been received a letter of warning after returning to the post office to pick up more mail to deliver. On a previous occasion, supervisors had called Tallarico to question why he was idling when he was eating lunch. And again, we didn't do enough with these stationary events. And I talk about Noah seeing in the future what's going to happen, building the ark before it even started raining. You should have known better than to put on any memo about watching us with scanners. You had to know better. You, that's somebody who didn't spend any time on the workroom floor. Putting something like that on a memo. You had to know that this was going to happen. You had to know it. And if you didn't, you're ignorant. We were all struggling, and they were pushing us so hard to <clears throat> to not stop, Tallarico said. Carla didn't think much of it when uh, she didn't hear from Gates at lunchtime, as usual. He sometimes skipped lunch so he could finish his route on time. Gates was so punctual that one resident, an autistic child, would wait for him on the front porch at the same time every day. Gates' customers told Tallarico, you could set your clock by Gino. But around 3.35 p.m., Gates collapsed in front of a home in the Caruth Terrace neighborhood in northeast Dallas. The homeowner performed CPR, according to city records. The fire department arrived five minutes later and brought Gates to Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital. According to metal records, his body temperature was 104.6 when he reached the hospital. The hospital called Carl at 4.45 p.m. As she rushed to the hospital, she received a second call, this time from the chaplain, who said she would talk to Carla when she arrived. That was when Carla knew Gates had already died before she got a chance to say goodbye. Hmm. It wasn't until nearly a week later when Gates' story made national news that someone from the USPS finally returned Carla's calls. They did not reach out to me. They did not send a card. They did not send flowers. The Postal Service did not send anything. Any support I received was from the union, his co-workers and residents around the country, Carla said. That's how they treat someone after 36 years of service. Gates is the seventh documented USPS mail carrier to die from heat-related illnesses since 2012 while on the job, according to the Observer's Analysis of Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration OSHA records. The number of deaths may be higher since neither medical records nor OSHA always cite whether heat stress might induce other illnesses. Since OSHA first cited USPS for exposing independence, Missouri mail carriers John Watzlowitz to heat uh, hazards on July 24, 2012, the USPS has been slow to make changes to protect workers. USPS mail carriers heat-related fatalities 2012 through 2023. July 24th of 2012, Independence, Missouri, John Watchlist. July 6th of 2013, Medford, Mass., James Baldessari. 
July 11th of 2017, Charleston, West Virginia, Ronnie Bowles. July 6th of 2018, Wooden Hills, California, Peggy Frank. July 22nd of 2020, Washington, D.C. It doesn't give the name. It says a mail carrier died in a non-air-conditioned vehicle. June 17th of 2021, Diver, uh, San Jose, California, Diver Bazzi. June 20th, 2023, Dallas, Texas, Eugene Gates. After Watchlist's death, the USPS agreed to a limited heat illness prevention program that would include Independence, Missouri. The program wasn't instituted nationally until May 2018. By then, 62 more USPS carriers around the country had been hospitalized for severe heat-related illnesses, according to the observer's analysis of OSHA records. At least two others had died. In the summer of 2020, mail carriers were dealt a blow after USPS won an administrative law judge decision that overturned an OSHA penalty of 511000 to for five heat-related injuries. Without a specific OSHA standard for heat safety, judges decided that the mail carrier's unprotected exposure to extreme heat did not qualify as a hazard likely to cause death or serious physical harm under OSHA's general duty clause, which requires employers to provide general protection for a safe workplace. But according to OSHA records, from 2015 to 2022, heat-related injuries accounted for 173 of 1,200 severe injuries, 16% among USPS carriers that required hospitalization. This does not include the heat illness experienced by mail carriers during the extreme heat this summer. According to the data, Texas mail carriers experienced the most hospitalizations from work-related heat illnesses. The state had 28 recorded incidents compared to 10 in Nevada, which came second. Notably, even though USPS is not the largest employer in the United States, it employs roughly half the workers at Walmart, Amazon, or McDonald's. Its workers reported the highest number of severe workplace injuries, over 1,200, over that same period. After years of resistance by business lobbyists, OSHA finally began developing a heat safety standard two years ago. Progress has been slow, but protests by workers, unions, organizations, and elected officials like Texas Representative Greg Cesar, who staged a thirst strike this past summer, have recently spurred the Biden administration to ramp up enforcement of heat-related workplace protections. The Observer found that the USPS, on the other hand, continues to resist these efforts. Representative Jamie Raskin Greg Cesar and 12 others initiated a congressional inquiry into the USPS measures to protect its workforce from extreme heat. Cesar, which other local representatives, also sent a separate letter to USPS Postmaster General Louis DeJoy calling on the agency to allow mail carriers to be able to return to their post office or deviate from their route to obtain cold water without receiving disciplinary action. According to communication, the Observer reviewed between Cesar and USPS District Manager Tom Billington, the USPS refused to agree to the request and wrote instead if they can't find water along their route, they should contact their supervisor for assistance and to discuss alternate solutions for hydration. This past summer, San Antonio branches stopped providing cold water to mail carriers. (laughs) Where's our president at? The way the USPS has treated San Antonio letter carriers during the summer's heat wave is inexcusable, said Cesar. 
They have been misleading to members of Congress, gone back on their word, and created a dangerous working environment. In response to both the Congressional Inquiry and to Cesar's USPS Government Relations Representative, Ashley Mata sent a letter touting the HIPS provisions, which mail carriers say the USPS is flouting. <laughs> Where's our president at? It's apparent that there is a significant number of locations that did not complete the training, and there's also a sizable number of discrepancies in terms of what USPS records show. It shows that the training was completed, but it wasn't, and that's something we're in the process of correcting, said NELC President Brian Renfro, who added that his union is also calling on the USPS to update the HIP to include heat acclimatization measures. I'll read that again. There's his name. It's apparent that there's a significant number of locations that did not complete the training. And there's also a sizable number of discrepancies in terms of what USPS records show. It shows that the training was completed, but it wasn't. And that's something we're in the process of correcting. What was so hard in saying the Postal Service falsified the records? What's so hard in, in, in our president coming out and saying, the Postal Service has intentionally falsified the HIP training records. And it's an official U.S. document because we can pull it up on light blue. It's an official document that management has intentionally falsified and in so doing has jeopardized the lives of my people, my carriers. And in so doing has probably cost the life of Mr. Gates by the intentional falsification of the records. What's wrong with saying that? I don't get that. What's wrong with saying, and we want Congress to act now on the working conditions of the city letter carriers? Man, you've got their attention. Instead, I get this. It's apparent that there's a significant number of locations that did not complete the training. They didn't complete the training. They never started the training. In order to complete something, you have to start it. They didn't complete it because they never started it. It's falsified. There was never an attempt to start it. I don't know, man. I don't get it. Anyway. <clears throat> I was on vacation, and when I was looking at my records on Light Blue, the online portal for Post Employees, it showed I did some additional training on my day off but that never happened. And on Sunday, which also never happened, one union survey responded said, another wrote that her training was marked completed when I just came out of the hospital and was on my bed at for rest for 11 weeks. One other mail carrier wrote her training was marked complete when I was out recovering from a heart procedure because I received a letter of warning for attendance because of my absence. God. Homer Hernandez, a USPS mail carrier for 20 years and legislative chair of the San Antonio branch, said many mail carriers in San Antonio also reported that their records were falsified. Thank you, city letter carrier, for saying that. You said more right there than your president did, your national president. I'll say it again. Homer Hernandez, a USPS mail carrier of 20 years, and legislative chair of the San Antonio branch said many mail carriers in the San Antonio all supported that their records were falsified. We found out that they were falsifying all our documents by stating we took all the safety training classes they're supposed to have provided us when it never happened, Hernandez said. You did more than your president right there, brother. 
Gates never took the hip training this year. He had been absent on January 25th when it was administered at the Lakewood Post Office, but like others, his training records was also marked as complete. For the USPS, nothing comes above the numbers, wrote one mail carrier. That's absolutely true. I'll read that again. For the USPS, nothing comes above the numbers, wrote one mail carrier. At the start of the pandemic, USPS paid the Zebra Technologies Corporation $570 million to provide 300000 of its TC77 Model AS as their new mobile delivery device scanners that allow for real-time tracking of packages and, and carriers. The company boasted the ultra-rugged TC77 features Zebra Mobility DNA's suite of software tools that increase worker productivity, simplify management, and strengthen the security of Zebra's Android-based enterprise class computers. The devices are connected to USPS Regional Intelligence Mail Server, or RIMS, which allows management to track a carrier's progress on their delivery route all, at all times. At the start of the day, carriers discuss with management how long a given route will take, Typically, they cannot deviate from their, that route. If a carrier is stationary after a few minutes, a red blinking sign on the REM system will alert management that the carrier is idle. If mail carriers take longer than the estimated time, they may be disciplined for unauthorized overtime. If they idle, they may be disciplined for stationary events, although Renfro says this often violates the workers' contracts. Determining each carrier's progress early in the afternoon will allow the supervisor to know which carriers are behind schedule and take appropriate action, the USPS Office of Inspector General wrote of the mobile delivery device system. Hmm. Texas's NALC leaders from Dallas, San Antonio, and Killeen say that before Gates died, carriers were routinely disciplined for stationary events when they sought breaks from the heat. Even though the online hip training course tells carriers to slow down the pace or shorten the duration by taking frequent breaks as needed, USPS management regularly sent carriers warnings on their scanner saying, keep moving or hurry up to beat the heat. If a carrier is found to be idle, not moving for about 10 minutes, then management wants to know why. They feel like it's excessive. We, on the other hand, as the union is concerned, have told take as many comfort breaks to make sure that their health is protected. But the Postal Service frowns upon that, NELC Dallas President 132 President Lewis said. After verbal warning, USPS management will escalate disciplinary measures to a warning letter, a seven-day suspension, a 14-day suspension, and then removal. The system discourages carriers from taking breaks even when their bodies need to cool down. The timing is critical. Without immediate attention and rest, Extended exposure to heat can result in nausea, dizziness, and fainting, which when left untreated can lead to a breakdown of the kidneys and other organs and then death. According to union grievance records, mail carriers were also disciplined for taking leave when they did get sick. After Gates died, management started sending warning messages to mail carriers' personal phones instead of scanners. Colleen's NELC Branch 4217 President John Darden said carriers received text messages such as, What's taking you so long? You should have been done by now. And why are you still there? Darden said there have been nine heat illnesses among Killeen mail carriers since Gates died. Heat stress induced one carrier's heart attack. 
Another male carrier's kidney failed from the heat exhaustion after he had received a transplant a year prior. He's been out sick for a month now. Even with all the illnesses, USPS moved the start times from the killing mail carriers back to 8.30 on September 9th when temperatures topped 104 degrees. They just don't care, Darden said. Dallas area mail carriers Charlie loved the Texas heat. He loved the outdoors and hated being cooped up in an office. That's why, at the age of 31, after running a printing press for a few years, Charlie decided to deliver mail for the Postal Service. Growing up, I was always playing outdoors. I was like, the hotter, the better, and I wanted to get out and meet new people, said Charlie, who requested we only use his first name, a fear of retaliation from the SPS management. But after collapsing, losing consciousness, and being hospitalized three times from heat strokes, Charlie now starts to get nauseous, even from the sun's glare inside a car. After the first heat stroke five years ago, Charlie noticed he couldn't be outdoors as long. The second time a year later, Charlie made it through his route, but then collapsed before he and his son found their seats at a Rangers ball game later that day. Recently on his delivery route, July 31st around 4.30 p.m., he noticed the first signs of oncoming heat injury. His hands cramped. He gasped for breath. It was 103 degrees. Charlie called his supervisor on the phone, but Charlie got up and completed his deliveries on another street then went on to another before he collapsed. His kidneys had failed. It took him days after he was hospitalized to be able to go to the bathroom again. My managers pressure us because they tell us they're being pressured from above. They'll send out messages on people's scanners saying everyone must come back by a certain time. Pressure's been building up for the past three years when Charlie and his co-workers have been forced to a labor shortage to take on more routes and more overtime. U.S. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy said last summer that the USPS needed to shed 50,000 employees as the agency looks to consolidate post offices and larger distribution centers. Charlie spoke to the other observer over the phone in short, breathy gasps, a belabored voice. After more than a month since his last accident, he said his head still pounds and swirls. He staggers now when he walks. This time, it hit me much harder than the previous ones. I feel like my balance is just not there. I'm off, he said. At 53, he's young for a grandfather, but he said he can no longer go outside and play with his grandkids to push them on a swing or help them set up their waiting pool. I'm scared after all this that I won't even be able to do my job anymore. And that's the article. And sorry that was so choppy, but it's on my phone. And it's, uh, it was very small. So it's, and you know, I can't see anything. So, but there's the article, man. And that is a fantastic article for us, right? A fantastic article for us. Um, I wish that my president would do more. Uh, I do. I think that we could have accomplished a lot, accomplished a lot if he would have been more aggressive with this and, and we could have been paying dividends on that. But I wanted to read that to you just in case you hadn't heard it. Sorry I beat that up. But like I said, I can't see shit. And uh, it was very small on my phone. So <laughs> there you have it. Uh, let's talk about 1838 C's real quick. And then I'll be off of here. It's already an hour and something. I didn't want to do that. I've had numerous people <clears throat> message me about 1838 C's. How management is weaponizing 1838 C's across the country. They're doing numerous 1838 C's <clears throat> on carriers a day. Uh, 
and they're having three or four done a week. Uh, and the 1838C is basically an efficiency count, right? But when people are filing grievances on that, and we did a very good episode on that, uh, the 1838C about counting your mail, counting all of your mail, uh, there's a very good episode on that on From Aid Arbitration. JB did it. And, and that's how you're going to defeat this, right? You're going to count the mail. And if management is going to do numerous 1838Cs a week, then you have to punish them for doing that. And how you do that is count the mail. Verify the count. And I'm talking about the entire count, E-N-T-I-R-E, entire count. And in the eight, on the 1838C, and I'm going to talk about that here, but on the 1838C, if you look on there, it says uh, you have numbers 1 through 13, but below 13 to the right it says DPS volume pieces, 7A, to be added to the line 7A on PS form 1838. It says DPS volume pieces. This is on the 1838C, which means what? This is a number that has been counted and put on this official document. So if that number has been counted by pieces and put on the 1838C, then when we have we get the opportunity to ver- verify the entire count, we should be able to verify that count. If it's put on the 1838C, we should be able to verify the accuracy of the the volume that's put on the 1838C, right? Does that make sense? If you're going to say up the top, letter size, you're going to put a number there. Flats, you're going to put a number there. Spurs, whatever's on there, we get to verify that. Also on there is DPS volume pieces. So if we're going to verify the entire count, we should be able to verify DPS volume. If you start doing that, I swear they will stop doing what they're doing. Had one individual say that they have been doing uh, four or five per week on people. And when asked why, they said that the MPU wants to establish an hour office time. And so therefore, they're forcing them to do these counts every day, basically as punishment, because they will not do an hour office time. You punish them by verifying the count, okay? Now let's talk about this just a little bit. If you look at section 911.2 of the M41, okay? Section 911.2 of the M41. Now anytime I'm doing these episodes, make sure y'all have a pen and paper so that you can write down what I'm saying, okay? So you can write down what I'm saying. Section 911.2 of the M41, it states this. The count of mail is used to gather and evaluate data to adjust routes fairly and equitably to ensure that the workload for each route will be as near as possible to an eight-hour workday for the carrier. Now, if you're going to count mail to see if my route is as close to eight hours as possible, that would include all mail because all mail goes into ensuring if my route is eight hours of work as possible as close to eight hours of work as possible right because i'm delivering that mail as well it's not just the count of it i'm delivering the mail as well that goes into my eight hour day right that's not just office time that goes into my eight hour day 
So that means DPS as well. That would go into my eight hour day. Okay. So section 911.2 of the M41 states, the count of mail is used to gather and evaluate data to adjust routes fairly and equitably to ensure that the workload for each route will be as near as possible to an eight hour workday for the carrier. All right. So that would be part of our argument. You got uh, section 221.131 of the M39 states in pertinent part. So section 221.131 of the M39, it states in pertinent part, the carrier should count and record the mail every day except on the day of inspection when the mail must be counted and recorded by a manager. On one or more days during the count week, each route will be inspected by a manager. When management performs the mail count, the carrier serving the route, upon request, may verify the mail count. It goes on. This right to verification applies to the entire mail count, as agreed to in National Level Settlement M814, which states in pertinent part, Normally, a spot verification of the mail volume is adequate to determine the mail count is accurate. However, the parties agree that based on the in, in, intent of Section 221.131 of the M39 Handbook, the carrier may, upon request, verify the entire mail count. And entire is the key word. Verify the entire mail count. If you look at uh, Section 215 of the M39 Handbook, and this is another question a lot of people had about them notifying us, Section 215.1 of the M39 Handbook, a notice must be posted at the delivery unit in advance of the scheduled mail counts and route inspections, showing the beginning date of the count for each route and the day and date each route is scheduled for inspection. This notice must be posted at least five working days before the start of the count period. If a decision is made to inspect on days other than the scheduled day, one day's advance notice must be given. So they have to give us a day's notice. That's just a work day. They can tell you at the, at the end of the day that they're going to count you the next day. That's a previous day. So one day's advance, no, advance notice, that's 215.1 of the M39. And my, my medication is kicking in. I'm getting very sleepy and I'm slurring. <laughs> See, you have to forgive me. Uh, on uh, from eight arbitration, if you look on this episode, Jeremy's going to put up a template for you, a starter grievance on grieving management not allowing you to count the mail. Okay? Not verifying the count. If you look back, and JB did an episode on uh, verifying the count, we got a grievance in there that he won about counting the DPS mail. you got to make the right arguments on that, though about counting the DPS, and that's going to get them off of y'all doing these 1838Cs, okay? And here's another thing I'm reading, and I'm going to be done with it, because I've got to go to sleep. What is a PS Form 1838C? A PS Form 1838C, Carrier's Count Mail, Letter Carrier Route Worksheet, is a worksheet that details the carrier's count of mail and office time entries, times, and mail volumes are each recorded on the worksheet. Please refer to M39 Exhibit 222.214A for, for a complete detailed explanation of each line item. So, 1838C, 
is a PS form 1838C carrier's count mail letter carrier route worksheet is a worksheet that details the carrier's count of mail and office time entries. Times and mail volumes are each recorded on the worksheet. On the day of inspection, is the carrier allowed to verify the mail count? Yes. Carriers have the right to verify the entire mail count. The Step 4 Settlement M536, write that down, M536 provides that carriers who request to verify management's count of mail have the right to verify the entire mail count. So that's just a little something. Uh, so many people have messaged me saying that management is is uh, <clears throat> using this as an intimidation tactic, as a weapon, the 1838C, the mail count. Uh, so if they're doing that to y'all, make sure that you're asking for to verify the count. That's how you're going to back them off of y'all, okay? If they're saying that they're doing this for purposes uh, to gauge my efficiency, uh, and they continue to do it, I'm going to file a grievance on that as well, that they're using that for an intimidation tactic. Um, if you see that my I'm 18 and 8, that's all I'm required to do. If you see that, and yet you continue to do that, and you can't, you no longer have a reason to question my efficiency, then I'm going to file a grievance on that as well. Okay, so anytime, look, you've got this episode I was talking about the other day when they're using DOAS now, uh, and they're targeting us, trying to get all this undertime, and we'll talk again about this next week, trying to target us and get us this undertime, basing things off of DOAS, and uh, this is just another thing. This is just another thing. Uh, they are on conference calls all day long about how to fuck with us. All day long, they're on conference calls on how to screw with us over things. These things are, it's a pattern on them. Uh, national, they've got their head up their ass. They're not going to do anything for you. A uh, lot of business agents, a lot of you have contacted me saying that y'all uh, asked to talk to your business agent, never receive a phone call back. Uh, we're on our own and we're left abandoned. And so we'll keep educating ourselves here. All right. That's what we'll keep doing. Uh, we're growing in numbers and we'll continue to educate. But anytime they try to do something like this, where they're using 1838C as an intimidation tactic or as a bullying tactic, turn it around on them. I gave you some good uh, M4, M documents right there to count the mail, to verify the count. All right. Make sure as letter carriers, you're standing up for yourself. All of you, all of you in your unit have to stand up together. That's the union. Every one of you have to stand up together. If it's only two or three in a station of 30 that says they're going to verify the count, management's getting over on you. All of you have to stand up to management. All of you have to verify the count. Shop stewards, get those step fours, those M documents I just read to you. Print those out and give them to every one of your carriers. And when they come around and say they're going to do an 1838C and you know that they're going to do one on your carriers the next day, Give those to your city letter carriers and tell them that you want to verify the count. And that will keep management from doing this bullshit if they're counting the mail and you're going to sit around and take all damn day to count. Shop stewards, if they're giving your carriers a, a one-day notice that they're going to do a count, get those M documents in the carrier's hands, okay? And tell them, 
verify the count. If we're going to win, everybody has to be on the same page. Everybody. All right. So there's you some things about the 1838 season. I'll probably do more of that later, but um, I'm heavily medicated right now. And, and I know my, I'm going to edit this and it's probably going to sound terrible because I'm slurring, <clears throat> but uh, I've been battling a hell of a cold or whatever it's been all week, man. And it has kicked my ass all week. So uh, this episode, that's hell is still an hour and a half, but uh, just spoke about my mind a little bit and uh, read that article and, and here's this. So next week we'll get back into some more things. Hopefully I'll feel better. Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. I love every single one of you. I do. And uh, y'all be safe this week and I'll talk to you next Sunday. All right. Bye.